Okay, it's connected. Wait, hold on. All right. Um, let's keep talking through the recording. But I can't hear you on the recording. Are you? Are you? Yeah. Hold on. Are you sure? You can hear me. Speak up again. One, two. One, two. Keep talking. One, two. One, two. One more time. One, two. One, two, three. One, two, three. I can hear you, but very, very low. Um, I don't know why. Yeah, it sounds like like super low. Hold on, stay on it. How like how do you hear me like coming through the mic? No, I can't even hear you coming through. Wait, hold on, say it again. How can you hear me coming through the mic? No, you're coming through. Yeah, it's not even using the. I don't think it's using this. I'll go to a uh, setting. What? Hold on, hold on. It's because it's not using it as the as the main source. That's why. Can you hear me? Hold on a second. Yeah. So like, look what I had to do. I just don't know if it's gonna work. One, two. One, but two. Like, Can you hear me through the mic? So what I did was I unplugged the, the headphones from the mic and connected it straight to the phone because this phone has a like the regular jack and um. And now I can hear you perfectly fine, and the mic is still recorded. So I don't know if like the mic, um, oh, it, it wasn't just. You through, I can hear you through the. I, I connected it to the computer. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he's loud enough. Uh, it's louder now. Yeah, but what I did was for whatever he's reason. Not, he's not loud enough for me. It's already all the way up. Are you sure? Yeah. Can you hear me better now? Wait, hold on. I don't know why I can hear you. Let me hang up through the FaceTime. Oh, yeah. All right. Talk now. One, two. Testing one, two. Sounds a little far away. And I have the mic, like, right up to my face. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh... Can you talk, Victor? One, two. Testing one, two. Talk now. One, two. Testing one, two. Can you still hear us? You can hear us? What? I don't know why he's here. Vic? Yeah. Hold on a second. 
One, two. I can't hear him anymore. Can you hear me now? No, no, because the output. Um, the, which one did you change? Go back to the computer. Hello. Oh, there he is. Okay. Tell him, to, tell him to put the volume up on the on the mic itself. Like, the volume knob on the mic. Hold on. Victor, can you hear me? Yes. Put the volume up on your mic. Like on the knob, on the, on the on button. The, on the handle of the mic. It's all the way up. He said it's all the way up. I guess he just has to hear. Let me see. I mean, you can hear him. I talk. Hold on a second. It's just not hella loud. That's weird. Can you start? Hello? No, I mean just start because that's as loud as it's gonna get. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. How well can you hear me? I can hear you good. Like it's the the level is good now? Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's good. Okay. Like I, I can hear you. All right. I mean, I can hear you perfectly fine. Uh, so on my end, like we would be good to go. I don't okay, know. Let me, let's just keep this audio. Mm -hmm. I'll mark it. I'll mark it. All right. Start. Let's start at five forty-five. All right. Let's see. All right. Can you? Uh, five seconds. All right. Let's save it five more seconds. <laughs> Three, two, one. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to episode number 16 of the Pull Up and Chat podcast. Juan and Victor. What's going what on, up, brother? brother? Doing good, doing good. Ready to get started today. How's your week going so far? Oh, it's going it's going great. A lot of uh, sports news. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, we, we talked about it in the last episode. We, we were kind of relieved. Um, this is kind of like the the title of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, election is over, um, so now it's time to focus on sports. Definitely. Well, it's not technically over because we have a little resistance, but it's more like just going through the motions. Because, like you said, it's Pretty a rap. Is it's a rap. He just doesn't know it. You know what I yeah, mean? He so he just doesn't know it. So I love <laughs> but... how you titled this episode. Yeah, definitely. Brooklyn in the house, man. Yeah, we, oh my goodness. It and seems it, fitting. It, it, it we're gonna talk about it right now, obviously. But, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. It's a great way to, to title it. Yeah, um, man. It's gonna be a fun episode, man. Absolutely, episode. yeah. Later on, we're gonna bring some NFL talk as we do every week. But we wanna start, like you said, in Brooklyn. You know, um rumblings are happening as the NBA season um is you know, right around the corner, believe it or not. And, you know, the trading um, season is out and about. And right now, one of the biggest reports that are coming out is uh, James Harden, you know, the MVP guard or former MVP guard of the Houston Rockets, saying that he wants out and that his preferred destination is to come to New York to be in Brooklyn. And so the question is, with the lineup of KD and um, and and Kyrie right there, adding a James Harden. What do you think that does to Brooklyn and their championship goals? I don't think it just makes them contenders. Um, I will go as far as to say that they will be the team to be in the Eastern Conference. Okay. I will, I'm not going to say the entire NBA. You still have LeBron and AD in the Western Conference. 
Right. Um, I do think the addition of Ty Lue to the Clippers, we don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they can add Rondo. Um, right. as a, That's a potential move. Uh, maybe they can add Rondo, which would be great for their team because um, they actually need a, an actual point guard. Yeah. Um, to, and to Ty Lue like, to the Clippers. Uh, yeah, Ty, and Ty Lue to the Clippers. Yeah, no, All I'm right. saying like uh, uh, Ray John Rondo because that's the name that's out there right now. No, no, because you said Ty Lue to the to the. To Cleveland, so I was like, oh, yeah, hey, to well. the Clippers. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, you Ty went Lue in the, the time Clips. machine. I know, I know. Ty Lue to the Clips is it's, it's gonna be a great move for them. He's not afraid to to call those guys out. It's, it's exactly what they need. So I'm not gonna say they're the team to beat in the NBA. Yeah, but I will say they will be the team to beat if they can pull this off. Obviously, they will be right. the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. With that being said, um, according to to sources around the league, and I don't know if that means much. When you say according to sources nowadays, right? Um, but there's a there's a quote unquote verbal agreement between the Nets and the Rockets that will bring James Harden to Brooklyn, um, creating that super team with KD and Kyrie. So just for me, if you know, obviously you look around, you know, you look around the Eastern Conference, the Bucks with Giannis, they acquired. We'll talk about the additions they made. They acquired Holiday. They have Middleton, Bogdanovich, the Heat with Butler, and that and that cast of characters that they have with the, that championship pedigree that the Heat have. The Celtics, you know, they're always in it um, with Tatum, Brown, and Kemba. I, I just honestly think that when you have, and I do believe KD's going to come back at least 90% back of what he was. That's still a top five player in this league. You right. have two of the top five players with a player in Kyrie Irving who hit one of the greatest shots in NBA Finals history. That, to me, it just makes him automatically the team to be in the Eastern Conference. Gotcha. I mean... I don't know, that, to be honest with you, if I am as uh, optimistic as you are in the sense that for me, it determines what success means to them. If them making it to the finals is success, then I believe that them making this move is definitely they definitely become one of the teams to be in the Eastern Conference for the reasons that you said. Um, I think Milwaukee, even with the, the moves that they made, um, I think that, and we'll talk about that later, as you said, I still think last year proved that they're a team that could be beaten, and I don't know that they're still, like, the cream of the crop. Um, and so I think that they can definitely make it through the East. Now, as far as them being a championship team, I don't know. And it's not even because of the competition. Well, in part, yes, of course, of the competition, I should rephrase. But I'm not sold on a player like James Harden and what he brings to what Brooklyn is building. And, and the reason I say that, first of all, we don't know what Kyrie and KD playing together would be like because yeah. we haven't seen it. You know, um, we're, we're hoping that it was good, that it's good. You know what I mean? Um, so that's number one. So while they do add star power from, with, uh, you know, with James Harden, I think the only way that this really works is if James Harden ceases to play like the James Harden that's won the MVP award because I think that his usage rate with him just controlling the ball it basically like kind of what happened in Houston you saw him paired with CP3 you saw him paired with Westbrook but when you got have a guy that controls the ball so long and just dribbles and dribbles and dribbles man then what are you gonna have like Kyrie and KD for because you have in Kyrie and KD two guys that they themselves um, are guys who could create their own shots that they can make move. So unless James Harden is willing to take 
quote unquote, a lesser role and be willing to be, you know, sometimes a spot up shooter or somebody who's cutting through the through, you know, through screens and doing all those things. Then I don't know how much how much sense it makes, because, again, he's so ball dominant and you have two other guys who they themselves are a little ball dominant. And it's one thing one thing to try to, like, spread the ball between two ball dominant guys. But three, I think, is pushing it on the 24 second clock. And so I think that that for me, I'm not as sold as them, um, you know, instantly becoming like, you know, this team to be feared with in the championship level. Can they win the East? Yes, because the East is open. But I don't think that they can really contend against the team, even like Miami, because listen, Miami for, you know, them not being able to do much in the in the in the finals. They displayed that they're a team that's willing to play, play team ball. And so if you guys, if they can't do that in Brooklyn, pending that they get Jim, um, James Harden, then I don't know how good that they're, how good they're going to be. Yeah, there's two things that I'm that I'm like kind of looking forward to that, that say, obviously, with the Brooklyn Nets. Number one is what kind of system are they going to be running? What kind of system is Steve Nash? Even though he did bring in Mike D'Antoni to be an assistant coach, I'm pretty sure he's going to be running his own system. Um, right. Obviously, moving the ball a lot, a lot of pick and rolls. Not, you know, not having that stagnant offense because obviously they know that that's not going to work. Mike D'Antoni, out of everyone, should know that's not going to work. I, I, I'm curious to see, like, what kind of offense they're going to be running uh, um, with this team. And then number two, we can look at, I don't know, the Miami Heats when, when they got their big three together. They were all ball dominant, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. But it was established from the very beginning. All right, Chris Bosh, you're going to be number three. And now the question was, who's going to be number one? D-Wade said, I'm going to take a backseat to LeBron. He's a much better player. Is right. that going to happen with this team? Is James Harden going to say, hey, listen, KD is the guy. Obviously, we don't know what he looks like. We got, you know, we heard rumors about what, he, what he's going to potentially be. But if KD comes back to 95, you know, 90, 95% of what he was before, he's still a better player than Kyrie and James Harden. So if James right. Harden, James Harden, I mean, he has to know. Obviously, the, the reports are out there that he's pushing this trade to go to the Nets. He has to know that he's going to take a back seat to KD. Like, that, that has to be obvious to him. Uh, he can't be that naive I mean, but to think that's, that's not that going to But that's the question, though, and that's why I'm so skeptical about the move because even take the, the Houston experiment, if you want to call it that, you know, he it's been reported or it's been said that he and he by he I mean James Harden said that he didn't necessarily love playing the way that they played with him being so dom- ball dominant yeah right and then it's also been said that Mike D'Antoni didn't really like coaching that way because in in his heyday back in Phoenix he ran this this offense that we all know that moved the ball around that, you know, it was a set, the seven second offense or whatever. But in the end, that's what Houston became. Houston became this ball dominant, yeah. basically ISO, and then everybody else just spots up. And so while conventional wisdom says that, you know, James Harden should know, hey, I'm going over here because that's, you know, I'm willing to take that lesser role or dominate the ball less. Like, until I see it, until I see him be that more dimensional player, be a complimentary player as opposed to just being the guy with the ball in his hands, man, I'm skeptical to, to have that, to, to see that. Because as great as an offensive player 
as he has been the last, you know, 10 plus years, I don't see, I've never saw him as a player that you can build a championship team around playing the way that he plays. And that's what we got to, I guess we have to, obviously we have to wait till the season comes around. We have to wait right. and see if, you know, again, number one, what kind of offense is Steve Nash going to be running? Is he going to be running that hot potato, pass the ball, open guy, kind of like what he did with, you know, he was a part of that system with the with the Golden State Warriors, and he was working with Steve Kerr. So is he going to bring some of what obviously worked with the Golden State Warriors? KD being a part of that team, being a part of that new system. Remember, he was in the Thunder. It was a, a, dom, a ball-dominant system. They, he goes to Golden State to a system where they're playing hot potato, everyone's getting the ball. Are they, by they, I mean Steve Nash and KD, going to implement that system, that championship-proven system, and, you know, obviously engrave it into Kyrie's mind, even though he's won a title before, and engrave it into Harden's mind that, hey, listen, you want to win a title? Because obviously the only reason why he would be doing it, we know that he's letting go of $50 million. The only reason why he's making this move is because he wants to win a title. So they, they just have to ask him this question. Do you want to win a title? If the answer is yes, then you will have to learn from us. Like, he has to – I have to think that he has to bring it down some. Like, don't you think – like, man, if you want to win, you have to do that. You've never yeah. won before. It's never worked the way you've done it. So you have to do it our way. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I would love to see it, obviously, because it <laughs> yeah. makes – you know, for a better NBA and definitely it makes a great comp- competition for the, you know, whatever oh team comes out of the, out of the West, whether it's the Clippers, the Lakers, or even if Golden State is able to put their pieces back together and be somewhat what they were before, man, like having that kind of team, you know, uh, coming out of the East Coast, coming out of New York um, is definitely something that, you know, the NBA would love to have and us as fans would love to have. Uh, and so, yeah, like you said, hopefully he is in that mindset where he's like out to win the championship and has, um, you know, looked at himself in the mirror and said, this is what I need to do. Or, you know, this is how I need to evolve as a player if I want to get that championship. I hope it works out. I'm, I'm obviously, uh, you know me, but I'm a diehard Steve Nash fan. Right, right. <laughs> um, I'm so diehard. Steve. I'm such a diehard Steve Nash fan. At one point, I used to argue for him being a, the, the greatest point guard of all time. That's how delusional I was. <laughs> He's my favorite player of all time, basketball history. So right, right. I hope it works out. I'm actually rooting for them. I'm, I'm a fan of the Nets this year or yeah. until he stops coaching the team. So I, I hope it works out, man. Yeah, definitely. Like we said, makes for a better league. So better competition, better for us as fans. Absolutely. All right, so – Moving on to the second topic, um, we're going to obviously still talk some basketball. There were right. other moves that were actually made, not potential ma- moves, but act- moves that were actually made. And obviously, we want to start off, obviously, from the CP3 to the Suns move, Drew Holiday to the Bucks. What are your thoughts on all the moves that, that were made and all the other moves around the league that may potentially be made? Well, I'm going to stick to the ones that, that have been made. Yeah. Um. And to be honest with you, I was very curious about the two biggest ones that have that have happened. Um. Interesting. From the, huh? Interesting. <laughs> Which one? Yeah. Which one? I mean, I'm. Uh. Well, I'm gonna talk about two. The first one is Milwaukee. Um. Milwaukee. It's. I think that the addition of Drew Holiday is obviously a good. He's a. He's definitely an upgrade 
for them as far as uh, their point guard, um, you know, position. And so, and he's a very dynamic player. So to be able to get him and add him to the roster definitely, you know, upgrades them to what they had. But my question to that and why I find it interesting is, is first of all, what they gave up in order to get him, do they, you know, stay at the level that they were by what, what they gave up? And in the end, is he really what they needed? Because what what we saw in in Milwaukee's like downfall, if we want to call it that, man, is that they need guys who shooters and guys who can create their own shot besides the um, Giannis. And so I don't know that Holiday is the guy that you know can potentially be that third piece or even be that second. Because again, Chris Middleton is a is a great player. He's an all-star, but one of the questions has, that has been throughout this whole time with him and, and Giannis in Milwaukee is, can he be that number two? Can he be that guy that, you know, helps Giannis, be, you know, reach the next level and Milwaukee reach the next level? And so, to me, I don't know that Drew Holiday, and, the, and it's also being reported that they're about to get Boban, and so I don't know if those moves necessarily catapult them or make them any better given what they had and what it is that they needed for me um, coming into the season. The other uh, uh, interesting move that I found was the CP3 one that you mentioned uh, in, in the intro. And it's because, obviously, from Phoenix's Phoenix standpoint, he's a veteran. He's somebody that's definitely, you know, can serve as a mentor to their younger guys. He's obviously still got, you know, years to play at top level. But in my opinion, you know, f- especially from him, I don't know that that's the team that he needed to end up right now because I think he's still trying to get a championship. Yeah. And Phoenix, to me, is nowhere close, especially in the West, um, to even contending for the Western Conference championship, let alone the NBA championship. And so for it, to me, I found it interesting because I would have thought that CP3 would have landed in the team – that was, let's say, well, not Brooklyn per se, but, you know, a team that was already established, whether that was, you know, obviously the Lakers are a long shot, but even a place like Milwaukee, there were reports about him teaming up with a couple of guys here in New York um, and the New York Knicks, the other New York team. Um, And so for me, those two moves were very interesting in that I don't know that either one of those teams that landed the player are any better off as far as contending for a title? I think I'm gonna, I want to start off with the CP3 point. Um, I agree with you. I honestly wanted to see CP3 land with the Clippers. There, there yeah. were rumors out there that he was he was interested in coming back home. Obviously, the team that that he had the most success with back right. with Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, and, and Crawford, and all those boys. There were rumors that this is the team that he actually the Clippers is the team he actually wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Now, and adding a player of that caliber to that Clippers roster obviously puts them right back up there with the LA Lakers who are the defending champions. So that's who, that's where I wanted to see him. That's where I thought he would end up. Now I do think that this move to the Suns doesn't make him a championship contender, but it gets them in the playoffs. Six seed, seventh seed. Maybe they have great young talent in, in, in Devin Booker. The guy can score. And to right. have somebody of Chris Paul's caliber, a point guard who, as you've seen, put them in, put him in the Thunders, put them at the fifth or sixth seed. I forgot what seed they were in. 
Right. But he had them going to game seven against the Houston Rockets. Like he had them competing. That's what Chris Paul can do. Adding right. them to the Suns team that has a lot of talent. Um, I think that it can work out. They can be a playoff team. Obviously not championship contender, but they can be a playoff team, which is what he did with the Thunder. Um, as far as the 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 move that the Bucks made, if you were to ask me, is this enough? Like let's say I were Giannis. Um, if you were to ask me, is this enough to to keep me with the Bucks? My answer is no. But my answer is no for the simple fact that I've I've already had my mindset with the the fact that I want Giannis either with the Miami Heat or the Golden State Warriors or the Dallas Mavericks. Those are the three teams I'm looking at if I'm Giannis. But I I can see what the Bucks are doing now. I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that the issue with the Bucks was. They needed another all-star, not a star, because that's what Chris Middleton is. I'm sorry, right. but he's a star. He's not really an all-star caliber player. Like, come playoff time, in this league, in today's league, you need to have more than two all-stars or superstars in your team to win a title, period. Right. And the history of basketball, you can go back, the history of basketball has always been that way. And the Bucks don't have that, even with the addition of a Drew Holiday, who's a really, really, really good player on both sides of the ball, and a player like Bogdanovich, who they also acquired. These are good players, but are are they players who you can depend on come crunch time against uh, uh, an experienced team now who's been to the NBA Finals in the Miami Heat? I don't, I don't really think so. And even when you talk about the Nets, let's say everything does actually work out with them. You think that having Giannis only the only superstar going up against two of the top five, six, seven players in the league and a player in Kyrie Irving who averaged 28, 29 points in the NBA Finals, you think you're going to beat that team? I don't think so. To me, these moves weren't good enough. To me, if I'm Giannis, I don't know, maybe that's just because I've already had my mindset in that he should go play with either the Dallas Mavericks, go play with the Golden State Warriors, or play with the Miami Heat. But I don't think that these moves you know, move the needle for me. Oh, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that from from Giannis' standpoint, to me, this feels, or let's say from the Milwaukee standpoint, this kind of feels a little similar to uh, LeBron's first run with with Cleveland where um, they basically made little moves, but it was never a move that that LeBron James could feel like, okay, with this team now I can, you know, he was already taking them to the finals, but with these guys, now we can actually win a championship. So they always made these little moves, but it was ne- it was not a good move that anybody thought, hey, this would put them over the top. So to me, this seems similar. Like they are trying to do something to kind of appease Giannis, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be enough. So for me, I agree with you 100% in that he needs to leave. Like they have had enough time to show him like, hey, we're trying to build around you. We're going to get the pieces around you, even if it's for one year. Like, he has a contract, you know, he's about to be a free agent. This could have been the year where they said, you know what, if you, even if we get hit with cap, whatever, let's go all in and bring in so at least we can get a championship out of this. So I think that this was just them doing something to say that they did something, but – yeah, I agree with you. He should definitely be I mean, on his way out. Man, he's young. He's, I mean, we're we're to, obviously it's easy for us to say he's twenty five years old. Like the kid, he he's still a young kid. He's still a young player. He still has a lot of time. But 
this is a league about what are you doing for me now? Not about what you're going to do for me five, six, seven years from now. What are you doing for me now? The comparisons between him, KD, LeBron, those comparisons are about right now. And I think that he just needs to think about the now. Everyone's creating super teams, bro. Like the history of basketball, it's always been a super team. Whether you talk about the Showtime Lakers with two of the top five players in the history of the NBA or the Boston Celtics who had a lineup, a, a Hall of Fame lineup, whether Michael Jordan, who is for me the greatest player in the history of basketball, he right. did have an all-time great player in Scottie Pippen, Shaq and Kobe, Duncan, your guy, had David Robinson, had a Hall right. of Fame lineup, Hall of Fame coach. You need you need that those caliber types of players in, in your in, in your lineup and your team to win. So go ahead, create a a super team. The championships are gonna count no matter what the media tells you. Just for me, just don't stay in, in the Bucks. Don't do it. No, the, no, they they're not deserving. I think another similarity that just came to mind as you were, you know, making all those uh, comparisons is even New Orleans. You know, with AD. Yeah. New Orleans had AD. You know, this is a generational talent, um, and they again squandered it. They kind of had him there. They yes, he he had some injury prone seasons. But at the end of the day, you never saw them really make a move to bring in somebody that he can say, you know what, I'm going to stick around with this person because or with these couple of guys. Now we can actually go out there and win. Milwaukee has had the same opportunity, similar again to what I mentioned before in Cleveland with LeBron the first time that he was there. And so when the team, you know, whether it's the whole small market mentality, which I don't necessarily agree with, they've had enough time. And one thing is, Aside from what you said that the the championships count, it's that in sports, you never know. There have been too many, whether it's basketball, football, or whatever, and you always pray and hope that these guys are able to have the careers that they were supposed to have. Yeah. You know, but not to go to another sport, but take Ken Griffey Jr., for example, in baseball. Ken Griffey Jr. was on the trajectory to be the greatest player of all time when he left uh, Seattle. But then he got injured, never never achieved the greatest of all time. But more importantly, I'm sure to him, never got a chance to win the championship because those Cincinnati teams were never good enough. And so for if Giannis has the opportunity to go somewhere else, whether it's to join or, you know, be the missing piece to a super team or be the, the primary uh, uh, piece to a, a super team being built around, Whatever it is, do what's best for his career because, in my opinion, Milwaukee doesn't deserve to have a guy like him be there for the long haul. That's true. Because if not for nothing for, you know, to, to say about my guy San, in uh, Duncan in San Antonio, but Pop did do a great job even after Robinson retired through the draft, through getting guys through, uh, whether that's Tony Parker, Ginobili, and, and eventually Kawhi Leonard to make sure that his superstar – was all, every year was in the contention to win the championship. And that's what you do when you have a generational talent. Ah, I agree with you. Definitely. And so we're going to move on to our, you know, our last topic of the week, and that's the NFL. We don't want to go, you know, week uh, an episode without talking some NFL talk <laughs> uh, with the season A being short and you always give you something to talk about. And so with white, uh, week 10 just wrapping up, uh, we want to go through the the highlights, the notes, and uh, and our impressions for week ten. So I'll throw it to you, so you can go first. The first one, um, I've been killing them the past few weekends. Obviously, um, 
the, this this whole competition between Patriots and and the Bucks. I gotta give props to the Patriots. They they beat the the Ravens, bro. Like yeah, that's something that I don't think anyone anyone outside of delusional Patriots fans, um, which I don't think I was ever one. Um, but <laughs> but we know a few. We know. Oh a few. yeah, yeah, I know that. I won't, I won't say any names, Kenneth. No names, no names. But we know a few. <laughs> but I, I do think that like you, you got to give them props, bro. They they yeah. went in there. They they took care of business. It was in their home, obviously. Um, the conditions got a little bit tough at the end of the game. They knew what it took to to play in those conditions to eventually win. They they beat the Ravens twenty three seventeen. And again, I don't think anyone expected that. Um, well, another thing that I that I that I you know obviously looked at in this weekend was the Saints beating the Forty ers but obviously that came with with um, a loss in the process. And that's Drew Brees. Um, they it's reported Drew Brees might be out four to six weeks. What kind of effect is this going to have on the team? We're going to have to wait and see because obviously Jameis Winston is the one that's taken over. Um, Obviously, if you don't know what happened, he suffered three fractured ribs on his left side and two on the right, Um, possibly more according to sources. So he, again, he could be out for six weeks and and Jameis is the one taking over. So what kind of effect, even though it's a really, really talented team, what kind of effect is this going to have on them? They're only ahead by a half a game over the Bucks. Um so if the Bucks can take care of of you know their part win maybe four of the next 5 weeks meanwhile while the Saints lose two of the next 5 who knows like or four of the next 5 three of the next 5 like maybe they can take the lead in the division so I'm I'm curious to see like what kind of impact this is going to have. Um I have two more points. Number one, uh, number three, I'll make it quick. 43-year-old quarterback continues dominating. I'm pretty sure you know who that boy is, and that's my boy Tom Brady. I'm sure you'll remind me. Yeah, that's my boy, the GOAT, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, And I don't know if if you knew this. Obviously, you know he holds the record for most Super Bowl of victories, which is six. Right. Uh, Super Bowl MVPs, which is four. Um, Right. But now he holds... The record for the most PPR points in fantasy football league. I know it means it probably means nothing, but I don't care. That's another record that he has. He passed Jerry Rice. That's another record yeah. in the book. So, um, props to my boy who threw for 341 yards and three touchdowns. And my last point is what could end up being the the best catch. Sorry, what could end up being the greatest catch? No, I'm kidding. The best catch of the season, <laughs> D. Hopkins, right. DeAndre Hopkins. He, I don't know what happened, caught that touchdown over three dudes. I didn't know what happened until Twitter started exploding. And when I seen that highlight, bro, oh, my God. Props yep. to you, D-Hop. He's arguably the best tight end in the league right now. Um, Wait, receiver. And, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Best receiver in the league. Oh, best receiver, yes. Best receiver <laughs> in the league. Uh, yeah, no, I that's definitely one of my points. I had three written down, and that that was actually uh, that was gonna be number two for me, because that play was like, I mean, I, I there's not much I can add that you said you haven't said already. I think that uh, it comes down to man, he just wanted it more. He that play had um, oh my god, Megatron written all over. Yes, it. you know, like he just went up there. There were three guys, and he's like, no, I want this ball more than anyone else, and he just went up there and got it. And so it, it keeps them in contention, obviously, in the in the NFC. Um, and like we said last week of the Steelers, you know, when you're when you're gonna win a lot of games during the season, when you're a good team, you're gonna have some lucky games. You're gonna have some great 
you know, things that come down just on your side. Yeah. And that was definitely one for them. It wasn't just luck. It was skill because homeboy, like I said, went up there and got it. But they definitely stayed in contention. Uh, my point number two is my team. You know, the Steelers, they keep doing it. My uh, God. They keep out going out there and winning. You know, I'm going to throw a little bit of a hot take right there, which other fellow Steelers fans uh, probably don't want to hear. But I'm beginning to get to the point where I don't want them to lose, but I, I'm also a little wary of them going the, the, the season undefeated. Because we got to start, you know, yes, there's still like uh, seven more games in the season or whatever, you know, but you want the the loss to come sooner rather than later if they're going to lose at all. Is there a reason so why, Mr. Victor? Rebound. Is there a reason why? Well, because you know that once you go into that perfect season, no, I'm not even going to throw the Patriots oh. out there. What happened <laughs> with them with the Giants? That's not. It wasn't even my, you know, my thought process. But you know, I think that once you start getting into that territory of, you know, those teams that have been able to go 10 and 0, 11 and 0, then the pressure I think starts to build up. Of like, are you going to be that perfect season? Are you going to be, you know, the 72 Dolphins? Are you going to be the Patriots of a few years ago? So it's kind of like, man, you know, they've had some close ones. Obviously, you can't keep winning, keep doing it. But it is a little bit of something that I felt once I saw them win again. It's like, man, we're getting close to that that territory of, you know, winning season. So, or of a perfect season, I should say. And so, but yeah, hey, listen, if they can keep doing it and not to knock on your Patriots, obviously, because they, they didn't win that year. But at the end of the day, people will still remember that they had a perfect regular season and playoff run, even in, if in the yeah. end they didn't win the championship. So you can't, you, they don't have the perfect season, but you can't really take much I just away hope, from, from a team. I just hope they do end up at least, I, I, I get your point about the pressure that, that comes with, Obviously, the undefeated season, we know what happened with the Patriots. But I, I, I really do believe they should still aim to at least have a better record than the Chiefs. The Chiefs have only lost oh, one absolutely. game. You need no, that absolutely. home field in order to, to have a chance against that, that, that machine that, of a team. That was going to be my final thought on that point, yeah. is that no matter what, is that you're absolutely right. If, you, if the AFC is going to go through the defending champion uh, – Kansas City Chiefs, you definitely want to have it in P- in Pittsburgh as opposed to having to go to their stadium yep. and, um, you know, have to do it over there, whether they're fans or not. You know, you still want to be able to have home field advantage. And my third point is actually going back to something that you touched on earlier, which is uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And more specifically, not so much their loss, because, again, they they've lost before, you know, but what I'm continuing to see in some of these losses is their lack of, of being creative or of being more, having a more diverse offense. And I know I've seen already the reports I've heard and I've read some, how people are already throwing Lamar Jackson under the bus. I'm one of those. And about, but listen, man, I, I completely disagree with that. I disagree with the notion or the, the thought process that this falls on him. I think what you're seeing, um, and yes, yeah, some of it has to lay on his shoulder because he's the quarterback, and that's the league. The quarter, the team goes as the quarterback goes. But as I was looking through their stats, man, I I failed to see any sort of running game. Like it's one thing for you to have a quarterback 
who's very talented with his legs. We've seen them before, maybe not like him, but we definitely saw him. We saw something similar with the Michael Vicks, the Donovan McNabs of the world, even the uh, Cam uh, earlier in his career. But I was looking through their stats, man, and when you're seeing a team, when he's leading the team with 11 rushes, he's leading the team with 11 rushes, and the next guy has like seven attempts. Like, I know he's not the, you know, the running back he was a few years ago, but they got Mark Ingram back there. And Mark Ingram ran the ball five times. Like, man, there are fullbacks in today's NFL that will get more, more than five than carries. That. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's like, to me, first of all, they don't have, and that's a reality that has to be lay on the coaching staff and the general manager. They do not, in the years of Lamar Jackson being an NFL quarterback, they have not really su- surrounded him with the wide receivers needed. They, I don't, I don't know that they have a real number one and um, NFL receiver. That's number no, one. They don't. And then they don't. And so, if we talk about other teams, like we we talked about in last week's episode, you know more than I do that one of the demise or one of the things that that Brady and, and the Patriots failed last year. The one of their um their lacks is that they had no wide receivers. So you have a guy who pers- isn't the most accurate quarterback in Lamar Jackson, but man, get him at least one number one receiver. And then in number two, like uh, as I started the point, is their offense needs to be a little. You need to run the ball a little bit more. You need to have some more of a balanced offense so that. The, the teams are not just stacking the box and waiting for him to run around with the football. So I think that, yes, he does have something. He does have to grow up and evolve as a quarterback. But a lot, to me, most of that, um, most of the blame lay, lies on the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you uh, to a certain like degree as far as like the play calling. The play calling, and that's something that I've noticed in the, in the recent weeks, having to watch them because I have – they're tight end. I have Andrews on my fantasy football team. So I've had to obviously watch them. And one of the things that I've noticed is their their play calling and, and the way that they do like this RPO offense. You know, they have a running back on the backside, on the right side. They're they're doing these fakes and running the ball option plays. Like you're giving away what you're doing. You're either running the ball with Lamar Jackson or you're running the ball with either it's Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, or whenever you decide to give the ball to Mark Andrews, like you have to be, you have to have Lamar Jackson pass the ball a little bit more. They passed the ball. Um, he completed 24 passes out of 34. They ran the ball 28 times. So they got some balance. But for me, when I watch them play, it feels like they're running the ball every single play, either with Lamar Jackson or with their running backs. Like have Lamar Jackson throw the ball, even like quick passes. You have a really, really good tight end. In Mark Andrews, you have some, you know, serviceable wide receivers in in Hollywood Brown, in 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 Sneed. Um, so just quick passes, find something, be creative. As you said, they got to be more creative. Obviously, it's not all of Mar- on Lamar Jackson, but come on, it just I don't know if it's because they don't believe in his throwing ability, which you mentioned he isn't all that accurate. I don't know if it's the lack of belief they have in him as a as a passer that's forcing them to play this kind of offense because when you look at their offense compared to anyone else, it, it looks completely different because of the fact that 
they look like they don't have confidence in his throwing ability. Like, throw the ball more. Have him throw the ball 40 times so that it's unpredictable that he's going to run the ball. We know he's a great runner. But when everyone knows he's going to run the ball, he's not really going to pass the ball, like, it makes it easier for teams to beat you, to stop you, especially in the playoffs. That's why they haven't had any success because everyone knows they're going to run the ball. Throw the ball more. Become a pass team first. And then the 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 unpredictability of Lamar Jackson, you don't know if he's going to throw the ball or if he's going to run for 100 yards because he's that good. No. When I watch him play, I feel like he's running the ball every single play. There's no creativity. I know what's going to happen. They're not going to pass the ball. They have no confidence. Like, I, I don't know. Are you seeing the same thing? Because that's what I see. I mean, I don't know if it's confidence or not, but I think, again, whether it is or it isn't because if – you don't, if you have that ta- that lack of confidence in him, then he's definitely not your quarterback. And then they need to just reevaluate everything that, they, that they're doing yeah. with him. Because one of the things that looked great in the beginning was that Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the – or is it John? It's John Harbaugh, I believe. John Harbaugh, yeah. Jim is – yeah, it's John. That when they drafted him, they, they tailored an offense around him, around his skills. But it's kind of, it looks a little bit like they, they've gotten complacent because 34 passes is not necessarily bad. And completing 24 of 34, while it's not in the top of the, of the league, it's still it's a good. decent amount. It's good. It's definitely above 50%. But this is what I mean about the lack of ingenuity, the lack of creativity in the offense is because you look at their stats and he's number one rushing. Yeah. Like that, and that's when what you talked about becomes more important. If not only do you know that they're going to be running the ball, but more importantly, that you know that he's going to be running the ball. Exactly. If he has 11 rushes, there's no way that the next guy only has seven. Like that is to me, if you're going to be a running team, then you at least have to give the other guys more carry so that if at least if you're going to be run first, like run heavy then at least make those RPOs where the other guys are getting as much or if not more touches than him so that the offense, the defense isn't just collapsing on him. And so that's what I'm saying that it falls on the coaching staff is because if you're going to be run pass option, great, be that. But there's an all there option. And so you have to bring in that option more, give these other running backs more carries whether it's the RPO or whatever, just so that you can have some sort of an offense that isn't just dependent on him. Because if you already know or have the belief that he's not the most accurate guy, then you definitely have to be more creative so that you can disguise that and you can have the de- and you can at least keep the defenses guessing. And so I think that the the coaching staff, whether it's because of lack of confidence or whatever have become a little bit com- – or because they just rely on him so much that I think they're becoming complacent. I think defenses are no, are, are seeing that, and that's why the numbers and, the and more importantly, the wins are no longer there as yeah. often as they used no, to. No, yeah, and I agree with you, and, and this will be my last point. What, the reason why I, was, I said what I said was because I was watching – I don't know if it was the, the Ravens versus the Steelers, and obviously I was invested in the game because of the players I had on my team um, – but I noticed on, on several occasions, he would, obviously, it was a passing play. Rather than passing it to, let's say, a Willie, a, a Sneed or a Mark Andrews for six, seven yards wide open, he would opt to run the ball. Now, I don't know if that's by design because the offense is being ran that way and they just want him to run the ball 
or is it because either he lacks, um, I don't know, like the vision to be able to see a, a open man for six, seven yards, not just an open man for 25, 30 yards. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know if that's something yeah. that he's lacking in his game right now or that's by design. That I've I've seen that way too many times. Like we look at great quarterbacks like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. If the play is not there, okay, six seven yard slant route. Let's go for him. Let's get yards. Right. Let's win time yeah, of possession. That's something that I don't notice from from Lamar Jackson. I see him way too many times not throwing it to the open man and opting to run the ball. I don't. And is that it, by design? I'm not sure. That's the question, yeah. and that's the question because if that's the case, then man. Um, they they're gonna be faced with the reality sooner rather than later that this pro- this particular experiment with him is not gonna work. Yeah, and you know I think he's too talented. I think that he's um, obviously with his legs. I think his arm is good enough, and I think that they need to like push him as you said to be to pass a little bit more often. But if it's that if it's the coaching staff that's not being um, creative enough, then changes need to be made there as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so that's gonna do it for us in this uh, this last episode, man. We uh, talked a little shop, a little football, a little basketball. Um, as we always say every week, we definitely love um, hearing from you. We love you, you guys checking us out, and definitely go to um, all of the streaming platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And, you know, give us a listen, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, and um, go social media. We're all over the place. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Follow us. Leave a comment. Um, whether you agree or you um, disagree with something Victor said, obviously. Uh, go out there. <laughs> um, comment, share, be a part of the conversation. Absolutely. So that's going to be all for, the, for this latest episode of the Pull Up and Chat podcast. I'm Juan. I'm Victor. Right, peace out, peeps. Later.